It's me, it's me, it's Mike Lepre, King Mike L, here with Legit Fantasy Sports. It's Thursday night, 7 o'clock, so that must mean it's Legit Fantasy Football. Joining me as always in the complete dark, looks like he's stuck in a basement. <laughs> I'm going, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Excellent. You know, when I when I got the message that we were doing the show, I was like, oh, my God. Ah, happy. Because, you know, I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking. Huh? I got so much to talk about. I said, are you in a coal mine? Like, you're in a complete Am mountain. I in a coal? Yeah. I, if I was in a coal mine, I would definitely be the Derek Zoolander of uh, coal and uh, mining. I would definitely be uh, the, oh. the, the prima donna and the <laughs> If this was legit, did you, did, did you just get that on me? Did you, did, oh my God! Joining us to bring the intelligence up just a few notches. Hey, how's it going, King? Doing pretty good. Uh, I know my master is, is in the dark like that. He's uh, he's afraid because of the, the picks he made on Sunday. Uh, didn't didn't uh, uh, didn't come through. It was a horrible introduction. What are you Sorry, talking about? Astronomus is a dark, just like his picks. Is that, is that a little better? I was I was flawless no. Sunday. No, okay. Sorry. Anyway, how's it going, guys? Going <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. So we're you know we're here. Like we've got two, two games to settle it to figure out who's in the Super Bowl, and then we have to watch the Super Bowl. And I I don't know about you guys. I can't stand, I can't stand the media leading up to the Super Bowl if my team's not in it. The only yeah. way I can deal with this is like the Giants are in it, because then I'll pay attention. But other than that, I can't, I get enough. Like, I've had enough. They try to make stories out of nothing so that you'll be interested in the game. Like, it's like a, it's like a week-long, you know, drama series. I can't stand it. Like, what do you guys think of it? Uh, two weeks long. Two weeks long. All right. It's yeah. even worse. Maybe that's why my memory goes like that. Matt, what do you think of it? You think it's too much oh, hype? It's funny because you asked last week, you know, hey. did we feel Jeez. the teams that were we, – we felt like if where the teams are in it that we felt should be there and not being in the, in the playoffs for the first time in a long time, being a Pats fan, has a special taste in my mouth. It sucks. And um, so, you know – it, I, I feel like uh, all these games have been pretty entertaining. I don't like the week off leading up to the Super Bowl. I feel like uh, they should probably shorten it. I feel like the one week in between the games is probably beneficial. But then again, you got the whole, uh, you know, interviews, the media. I think all that's overblown. I think you, you can shorten it. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe. I know they would never change the uh, game, but maybe put that on a Thursday or or something midway. I don't know. I don't know. I actually would like to see them go back to inclement weather and stuff like that, but that wouldn't be good for the uh, tourist attraction and whatnot. But I don't know. I'm not a fan the of the players becoming more and more. Wow, that was weird. You, you just kind of you went, wow, wow. Um, players uh, have so much more power now. Uh, I don't think you'll ever see an inclement playoff game again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in that sense, like, if they can control it, they're not going to let that happen. No more Super Bowls where it's cold, which sucks. I mean, they had the one in New York. They, did, they tried the Giant Stadium, and it was so yeah. cold. Yeah, that's my thing. So, it's like a – but, uh, Genius, what do you think? you think there's too much yeah. hype? Like, where are you at yeah. with 
way too much hype. Like, I, don't, I don't even watch. Like I, I take a break the first week. I don't follow any of it. I don't do. Like, I don't watch press row stuff. I don't watch. I don't follow any of the storylines. Then the second week, I start following probably on like Monday or Tuesday because you, you don't miss anything. Like what, what has ever happened in that first week that you 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 know you couldn't figure out the second week? I I, I, I don't get it. Uh, the only the only cold weather place you'll have it is Minnesota because it's covered, which they did a few years ago. Apparently, it was supposed to be really really good. Uh, but yeah, you'll never see one in like. Green Bay or New England, or you probably wouldn't see New York again. It's it's just not going to happen. Um, but I hate it. I hate the I hate the two week layoff. And uh, you know, like I said, I don't even I don't even I won't even know anything about the game until the second week. Especially the team, right? Teams. Like it ends up being like in my head, like the Chiefs and like another team I could care less about, and I got to hear of them. If it's the Bucks, look, listen. Fucking oh. Tom Brady makes it to the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The shit I'm gonna have to listen to for two weeks about TB12 and kissing his kid like, mm, ah, you know what I mean? Like TBGBish, you know? Like I gotta hear about how he's like 4,700, you know? And he's like, but <laughs> up here, him and him and his wife, his dream supermodel wife, they like they figured out a way to be above pain. I fucking can't stand it. It's going to be awful if he makes it to the Super Bowl. You realize my life is going to suck. Like, I don't want to hear about him for two weeks. Like, yeah, I just opened it. Doesn't it suck how much there is for hype? Yes, yes, there is, Mike. Okay, now two weeks of hype about Brady. Let's Can start it, it right work? now. 32 playoff wins. He's got oh. 16 more then the next guy, who is Joe Montana at 16, if he goes to the Super Bowl, it will be appearance number 11. The nearest person to him is Joe Montana with four. No, there was one with five. Who was with five? Eight? Who had five? Uh, Charles Haley, maybe? I think Charles, Charles Haley, Haley must have been the guy because he's got five rings, right? Yeah. He does, yeah. So it's got to be Haley. Then the, I'm talking maybe quarterback, quarterback. Next quarterback would be Montana. So yeah. I am saying this. I could see Mike squirming because he could feel it. Wow. He can feel it. And I'm going to tell you right now, nine and four in championship games. He's nails against the best teams when it counts. And I'm going to tell you now. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, the story over there is he's got one championship, and that's a reason. He doesn't get it done when he needs to. The Bucks get their best D lineman back, while the Packers lose their best all-lineman, their highest paid lineman. And I'm going to tell you right now, the way that this is going to be won is the same way Tom Brady's so great. He's selfless. He looks at the play. He looks at the defense, and he's going to hand off to Fournette or Jones, and he's going to gash that Packers run day. Listen, I don't want to talk about the game itself. I want to talk about him and what it's going to be like having to deal with Oh, you want to talk about Tom Brady? I could go on. And here's a person who knows what it's like to have to deal with Tom Brady. Everybody, Brother Ray. Brother Ray, how are you tonight? What's going on, gentlemen? I thought I had the wrong podcast. Pa- podcast. Yeah. 
What's up, brother? Church, listening to a sermon. I mean, I <laughs> I believe Master Thomas. So, so listen to me, brother Ray. We, I was talking about how it sucks the media uh, hype leading up to the Super Bowl. How it just it's too much. And and then I said, uh, how bad will it suck if it's about Tom Brady? Like if he the, the Buccaneers make it, think about what we'd have to deal with on the TV now. He'd be the first, what, quarterback to be in a Super Bowl in three different decades? Like, that's oh. crazy, right? right? Like, how do you argue against his – I hate it. Like, it's it come to the point where it's almost unarguable. Like, how do you argue against him? Like, he's – And I got to be honest with you, King. I don't think it just stops here. He is going to come back next year, and they're going to be better. Brother Wright, what do you think is gonna it's going to be like if – if just say the Buccaneers make it to the Super Bowl – Brady somehow gets there. Let's be honest, though. It, you know, it, it is what it is, and the hype is going to be what it always is with Tom Brady. But I think the difference this year is this team is pretty good. That defense really was the MVP of that game, getting those picks off of Breeze and really shutting them down when they needed to. Those two linebackers are as good as it gets. Uh, those two inside linebackers are probably as good as anybody in the league. Um, and they play that way. And that defense showed some glimpses early in the year. They were the number one defense at one point, And then they completely fell off the table. They're back. And I think with Brady, and you can see it too, he's the leader of that team. But he wasn't the reason really that they won. He was part of the reason. But it wasn't like those recent Patriot wins where he completely carried him on his back a genius do you yeah. notice how i keep asking people about tom brady and they try to switch the subject like ray ray just totally totally took it a different uh way i'm talking about brady himself what do you think life will be like what do you think the extent they're going to go to with the brady hype like uh, uh, i guess what i want from you is you hate tom brady right like he's not no, no, not you, not you, Kev, not you, brother. Oh. Not you, no. Like you don't like really in real life hate him. I don't know, maybe you do, but you hate him. You don't like him. You don't like him. You think he's a cheater? Tell me, give me this. Come on, come on. <laughs> hey, hate is a strong word. All right, he's beat my team for decades, so obviously, I don't think I want to have dinner with the man. However, however. They can't hype him, King, any more than they already have all these years. So you're I'm at the point where it's like, eh, what, what else could they do? They've already <laughs> put him on the pedestal. There's really not much more they can do. I guess. I guess, Maddie, how does it feel, though, to know that all those Patriot fans will be there again to watch this game? How does it, like, with the split, I'll tell you, I'm on the bandwagon. It's I, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I, I got to tell you, dude. Did do you guys know that I made Tom Brady? Oh no no no! no I did not know, you know that. Do you know the story? I'd love to hear it. I used to go to the Patriots camp all the time. Now you know I was wearing my Bledsoe jersey last week. Yep. I knew everybody, and especially at that point in my life, football was everything to me. I knew all the practice squad players. Actually. Uh, a friend of ours, Andrew Winza from North Smithfield, was on the Patriots practice squad. He got a ring. Um, I knew everybody who was on the team. Um, 
I didn't want the fourth string or third string or second strings quarterback's signature. When I would open up my flag, it would be a big, like, you know, they would, all the guys would be right there in a line. Tom came in. I said, no, thank you. And I looked at him. <laughs> and that's when he was looking to give out autographs. And I told him, you're a fucking nobody guy. I said, don't touch my flag. Cause I got Keith Byers, Drew Bledsoe, Ty Law, Adam Vinatieri, Mo Bill Belichick. <laughs> I got everybody. So I started the fire in Tom Brady. <laughs> by by not letting us on your flag. What are you questioning me, Kev? You're just... a genius. You should know better. I'm telling you the truth. I be so What is? Hey, right. and he took that personally. Is that what you're saying? He did, brother Ray. Preach. <laughs> All right, bro hey, brother Ray. Let me get to another subject here. Um, this is something that. Uh, came to light, uh, and I want to see what you think about the incoming In the NFL this year, five rookie running backs had great years. Uh, Clyde, 700 names, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, and then uh, J.K. Sounds like I should have wrote a book, Dobbins. Um, you think, what do you think of those five, first of all? Like, you, you like, fantasy wise, um. They made a huge impact as rookies. Like, what about James Five guys would come along at one time and do that again, like running backs? I mean, running backs are usually the rookies that have success right away. I mean, very few wide receivers come in and dominate. It usually takes them about – usually three years is the test for a wide receiver. Um, so running backs usually have the jump on all positions, uh, offensive <laughs> positions, as far as coming out of the gate and really doing well. Uh, I mean, we knew those guys were all good. Um, I mean, they were drafted as such in fantasy drafts. So I don't, I mean, someone like a James Robinson obviously was a big, big surprise. Um, I mean, an undrafted player to come in and do what he did. Um, I mean, that's the way the NFL is now. Uh, they're not paying big money to running backs anymore. It's better to kind of get a young guy in there, develop them. And that first year defenses aren't really familiar with those guys. Um, it takes them a couple of years, like a year or two to adjust. So they kind of take the, the NFL by storm. Um, no, but I mean, they're all, all quality guys. And I think every year you're going to get some, but I think this year had quite a few that were really successful. Yeah. Like, like Matt, I, are you surprised it was five, a six? I mean, just, just focusing on these five, but they were six, whatever that like took over their team spot as running backs. I mean, some are sharing, but whatever, like they still took a spot on their team as rookies. Like, what did you think? It seems like it comes like that, right? Like generational. Sometimes you only see like one or two good backs and then all of a sudden, boom, you see five or six, you know, same way what you see with linebackers or O-line. Some years it's a good QB class. Sometimes it's no QBs at all. It just, it's just happened to be like that. I mean, there was a few years back when you had <clears> – <throat> You know, Fournette, Cook, McCaffrey. I mean, that's right there. It, 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 those are like borderline. I mean, I don't know about Fournette, but Cook and McCaffrey could be a borderline Hall of Famers if they, you know, finish out their careers the way we know they can. But, you know, but sorry, it's, so sometimes you, you just get a cluster. Sometimes you get a Yeah. So, so, genius, here's a question. Uh, for a while, they they weren't drafting running backs. That was like a yeah. different running backs. Now, with the, with the way they pay the people, 
does it make more sense to get them early and pay them that big rookie contract to kind of keep them maybe a year longer or whatnot than it is to let them go? Like oh, now, yeah. it seems like it makes more sense. Does it make more sense to sign them early now and give them and make them first round picks? Is like it all the ones that you play? All the ones that you listed. Uh, the only one that was a first round pick was uh, Clyde Zilaire, right? Everyone else was was, uh, was a second round or later. Like Zach Moss, who you didn't even mention, was uh, was a third round pick, and he's going to be the number one back in Buffalo next year. So I think the value is you get them second, third round, and you sign to you know the rookie deal is a lot more friendly. And as Brother Ray said, they're not paying like unless you're the Cowboys and you're an idiot and you sign Zeke Elliott to some monster deal, and probably what the Giants are going to do with Barkley, you know it's not worth it. Or even McCaffrey might be the only one that's worth it if he's more of a receiver than anything else. But you, you can replace them. They're like interchangeable parts, and it sucks. Yeah, but, a huge beating. That's but, what sucks about it. But tell me, brother, tell me this. If they're, they're developing and, and working or so fast, you think that they might be in a higher uh, commodity, meaning they're going to go earlier, right? Like People will go earlier to, to, to take that back that they turn over and become good. No? No. I, I mean, right now, what you're saying, there's certain players that will go early. They'll go in the first round, um, and it depends on what teams want. I would, I would gather that not every team would have taken Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. I mean, he's not a big guy. He's a small, like scatterback. He is good between the tackles, but it really depends on what each team's taste is. And by the way, you're talking about running backs. You had a, you had the best rookie quarterback. In wide receiver in NFL history this year, and Justin Herbert and uh, Jefferson, they had the best seasons of any rookies at their position of all time. So, pretty good draft class. But is that overrated because of, the, of what we're in now? Though I mean, they're both very, very, very top-notch players. But it, uh, is it like you know fluffed a little? I mean, I. The thing is, I mean, they still went out and did it. I mean, Herbert and he, Jefferson. I know. think Justin Heber is is absolutely authentic and as real as they can be. I just wonder if uh, if they would be what they were, you know, a generation ago. Same with Jefferson. Jefferson's a very nice piece, but yeah. Yeah. I see, I, I was trying to get myself familiar with the um, potential incoming um, rookie running backs because you could. I, Right around now is when I start to get knee deep in it, like start to learn the positions. Uh, brother Ray, you know that stuff better than I do. But what's the deal with the two running backs out of North Carolina, Javante Williams and uh, Michael Carter? Anybody? Like, how are they? First of all, it just strikes me that there's two running backs from North Carolina, and they're both in the top five. Well, I mean, I think this year what you're going to see is you're not going to have like a running back that's going to go really high. That's just not – I mean, that's just not in the cards this year. The talent level isn't really there. Um, I mean, those guys, they're both good, and they're both a, both a tandem. Um, but they're going to be they're going to be in the later rounds. You're not going to see any of them in the first round. Um, what about Najee Harris? Najee yeah, Harris, he'll be a first rounder. he's a first-round first pick. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Etienne is definitely yeah, uh, a, yep. a first-round pick. Um I mean, those two guys probably are one and two, and depending on who you are, that's probably you know they may go in in different in a different order. Um, Williams, I'd probably say the second round pick. Uh, I'd probably say he would go uh, he would go first. 
I mean, it's it's really in the eye of the beholder. Um, I mean, some people would like him even better. You know, some people would like Carter even better than Harris. So it really depends on how they fit your system. Uh, I like the kid from Memphis. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Gainwell. Uh, he's yeah, someone Kenneth, Gainwell. Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, he's someone to watch. And remember, if you look at like some of the Memphis backs that have come out in 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 uh, recent years, uh, you got the running back in Washington. Um, you got uh, Dallas took one. I mean, they they come from a really good offense where they catch the ball, run the ball, and do a variety of things. But I think you're going to see some second and third round backs uh, where there's talent there. Trace Sermon. I know he didn't have a great uh, championship game. He wasn't didn't play in the championship game. Would have been a different game, I think, if he's in that. Um, he's someone to look at. Uh, Herbert from Virginia Tech is someone to look well, he at. He played. He got he got hit on the first carry. He played. He got tanked. Did he? I mean, but oh, he, he got he got hit and he got carried right on out. I think he's he had, a three down guy. Like that's team. someone he's that great. teams are going to target. He's not like a specialty back. He's a three. He's a three down guy. You know. First oh, down, yeah. second down, catch the ball. Um, I'd probably add Felton to that list too from UCLA. Um, again, but there's some good guys in this like second, uh, third round, even fourth round area that you're going to see come off the board. And again, maybe they can be the next James Robinson. So, so question is right. You you you're always connected to your draft class. Like you're always like uh, you know. You're connected to your draft class. Like Clyde, many names, Hilaire, and Jonathan Taylor will always be connected. So Cam Akers, you know, DeAndre Swift, all of them. Um, I, I had a question that uh, I tried to explain to somebody today, and I, I, I want to see how you guys would explain it. Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. Who is the best of the three? Which one should be in the Hall of Fame? And I said, well, Roethlisberger and Manning should be in the Hall of Fame, and Rivers doesn't make it. And they got furious with me, saying that Rivers is the best of the three. Uh, Brother Ray, let me start with you on that. Like, was Rivers the best of the three? No way. Uh, no way. Not even, not even close. I mean, no offense, but – he just, I mean, what has he done? I mean, he's played so many years. I think he automatically has the numbers in today's NFL, which is a passing offense. I mean, I'm I'm not a Rivers fan. I I don't think he has what it takes to win to win a championship. I think he's proven that. If I had to look at those three guys, I would have to say it's got to be Ben. Uh, Genius, Kev. What do you, what do you think of that? My my question, I guess, is. Uh, Who's your favorite of the three? And um, do you think that he deserves to be thought of as the best of the three, Philip Rivers? Because he was more consistent, I guess, is what their argument is, right? It, it, it's funny. My favorite of the three is probably Philip Rivers. So I like his attitude. I like the way he uh, composes himself. I like the way he carries himself, not composes himself. He does the 251 straight games. And I'll never forget, you can never take, like, once, once he did this, I was like, I'll never doubt the guy again. He played against the Patriots in an AFC, champion, AFC championship game with the torn ACL. You can never – that's probably one of the toughest things a quarterback – I've ever heard a quarterback do. But his numbers are – they're great, obviously. But in 10 years, we think about all the quarterbacks that are going. In 10 years, he'll be – he won't even be top five in any category. In 20 years, he'll be forgotten. 
never won a Super Bowl, never won, it, never even made it to a Super Bowl, so you can eliminate him. I hate, I hate Eli, but he's probably gonna make the Hall of Fame because he's got two Super Bowl wins against, you know, against the greatest teams out of, out of, against the greatest teams that I've ever played, the, the Patriots. MVP. Yeah. And, and like Ben is probably the best. Eli, uh, Eli probably gets the Hall of Fame the easiest, and Philip Rivers is probably my favorite of the three. That's crazy, but that's a great way to put it. That's actually great. I like the way you put it. Like that, uh, uh, Matt. Where do you rank those three? I guess I'll give you a shot at that. Philip Rivers is definitely bottom for me out of the three. Uh, and as I was sitting there listening to you guys, it's crazy to me because. When I look at Ben Roethlisberger, you would probably just put him on the pedestal, but I wouldn't. I think that Eli has done more with less against better than Ben has, and I think Ben has had more stability uh, around him than Eli has. And it's just funny when we compare the two; they're very similar. And I, I just think that when I, when I compare the two careers, I would put them both in the Hall of Fame. But in terms of who's better. I think Eli has done better with less against better. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. Eli beat to Ben Roethlisberger could never beat Tom. Never. Eli could, and he did. Yeah. The, see, I think the, the great, greatest thing that Eli brought was availability, like that he started every game. He was there every game. To not have to worry about if your quarterback's yeah. there every game is just – that's huge, right? Like that's a huge thing. Uh, How many Super Bowls? As a Patriots fan, who do I fear more? Ben. Well, Eli, yeah, you guys. Eli Eli will kill you. Those two games were beyond, like, I once explained to somebody, I feel feel like sports will never be great to me again because how can it beat that moment? Like, (laughs) what in sports can happen that will beat how I felt in that moment? That moment was like, the Patriots were undefeated. I had to hear about Tom Brady for two weeks. Like, <laughs> Here we go. The beginning of this stupid thing. And then by the time we got there, I called all the radio stations saying how the Giants had a chance. And it, they loved me. They kept putting me on because they thought I was an idiot. They literally would call me idiot when they would hang up on me. But I kept calling every day. And, you know, they wouldn't listen to me. No one wanted to listen to me. And watching that game, the way it went down, was so magical that it was like I thought to myself, <laughs> it'll never get better than this. This is it. I'm never no there will be no sports. How do I get a better sports moment than that? It, For me, and, uh, it was yep. it was great little not taking the pitch from Pedro and uh Pedro, you know, telling him I can do this and the manager, you're there to t- say, give me the ball, we're moving to the bullpen. And then feeling that and then going to Dave Robbins still on the base, pop, you know, Poppy. I mean, um, Mueller hitting it up, and uh, and 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 tying it, and then winning it. That to me, and I was actually going overseas. I was actually going off to Iraq, and and had I we not swept the World Series, I would have never been able to see Game Five. I was leaving. I won that night, and I left when we won as uh, champions. But that was sweet. Wow. No, at first, did anybody cool. think that? You didn't know where Matt was going? Anybody else? No. Before we it out, I was like, uh-oh, where's he going? Yeah. Now, to me, I mean, to me, the Rams paid Pat Super Bowl was great, but epic moment in, in sports. And I agree. There's a lot of things that have happened that it, it it's almost will never take the climax. Oh, it will never happen 
like it once did. And and to me, and I, I can totally see how it would be for you guys, but because to me, that was the most painful loss that I've ever felt. And it hurt me and in ways still does. Yeah. You know what? It it listen, listen, first of all, I might I now know what, what it must feel like to be on heroin because they're always chasing <laughs> that high, chasing that high. And that's football. I'm gonna be chasing that dream of a better moment than that, but I don't think I'll get it. I think it's called chasing the dragon. I'm chasing, I'll be chasing it, man. I can't get a better moment, brother Ray. How can I get a better moment with that? Wait, Kel, go ahead. So just quick, because it's really directly to your story, your moment. I had the exact opposite. Like when that when the Patriots lost that game, I remember I remember I remember I was in New York, I was at a, a very small party. Game was over. The next day, I met one of my friends, and it was, like, bright and sunny, and I was standing there, and I was, like, just destroyed. And I actually had a conversation with him, and I was like, I cannot follow sports this closely anymore. Like, I can't get into it. So I took a – I literally took a huge step back and became a little bit more distant and a little more objective and, like, realized if whether they win or lose, it doesn't really matter in the end to me. You know, and I literally – that game was the backbreaker. It made me take a step back as a sports fan. So you had the opposite – for me, it was like, I can't do it. I remember standing at the, I remember the street sign. I remember everything about how bright it was. I had sunglasses on because it, it was a mess. And we sat and talked about it. I said, that's it. I got to take a step back. Listen, dude, I, I watched all these stories of, like, people, like, flying their dads down from Florida and buying, like, $5,000 big screen TV so they could all be together and, and witness the Patriots become, like, undefeated champions. <laughs> I actually bought a goddamn T-shirt. That was Patriots, uh, what, nineteen and zero, yeah. undefeated champs. I had it mailed to me. The guy didn't <laughs> do. He ended up putting a, uh, he ended up putting like a sharpie on the page saying that you could just cross it off and write your own little thing. I was like, yeah, like, I can't participate in this. Before you send all the rest of like Africa, I want that shirt, you jerks. <laughs> it was already done. It was already made. Brother Ray, tell me, g- give me one. Yeah, for me, I mean, obviously, I owe. Eli Manning, a depth of gratitude as a Dolphins fan, you know, the 72 Dolphins record was on the line and, uh, you know, them, them getting that win was, I, I can't lie, was one of the best games I've ever seen. And it, uh, you know, even though they weren't my team per se, they were playing for my team. So yeah, that was an crazy, uh, a crazy night watching that game, um, at your house, King. The, there were so many plays. A, a, a genius, Kev. What do you have a, a good moment? Is it, all, is it going to just be negative, negative in numbers? <laughs> well, it, yeah. well, in terms of uh, just just in general, uh, it would yeah, have to be that. Have you had a good sports moment, Kev? Yeah, of course. Uh, I, you know what's funny? I loved the. You're, you're an asshole for that. I loved the. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the Patriots beating the Rams. I love that Super Bowl. The, no, the second one. The second one. Panthers. Probably as much as I love the first one. Because yeah. that was like a pure Belichick team, a Belichick game plan. It was almost like, you know what, Tommy? We can win a 13-3 to Super Bowl. It doesn't always have to be about about 27 points and 34 points and 42 points to be the Chiefs, all that stuff. We can do it. We can grind it out. We can shut them down completely. It, it broke Sean McVay for a season. I think that might that was one of my highs. I was so happy about that one because I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And then obviously the Atlanta, the Super Bowl in Atlanta, twenty-eight to three. I'm sorry, in Houston against Atlanta. I was actually in Houston, and we couldn't get tickets to the game. And but I, so I watched it in Houston, but not at the not at the stadium. So those two probably were really the best. Well, the Pats are good. 
right? Yeah. 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 Whether you like them or you don't like them, something happens. Something always happens yeah. in a great moment. It just seems to happen that way. And yeah. uh, um, no, see, with me, how do I? We did it twice. That's the thing with Giants fans. Like you don't understand. Like we 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 think like you know we did it twice. Yeah. Like having that rematch scared me because what if we lose the second game? That tarnishes yeah. that yeah. first game and that that perfect feeling I had. Yeah. Like how dare these sons of bitches that keep winning Super Bowls have to come and try to spoil our dreams? Right? Yeah. See? See? And make us be make you know what I mean? Make us feel bad about our first one. But that pass to Manningham may be the greatest pass I've ever seen. Ever witnessed. That pass to Manningham was, Brother Ray, it's in the top 10 passes of all time, isn't it? Like, yeah, you, pure throws. You hear that saying all the time he can drop the ball in a bucket. That's exactly what he did. He dropped that ball in a bucket between two defenders. Perfectly right on the sideline. I mean, that, you know, it, you couldn't draw it up any better. And it's weird because there are two wins. There's that play and obviously the Tyree catch we haven't even talked about. But the, it's those two plays that, for me, stand out and, and probably reason, reasons why they won those games. Yeah. Dude, the reason I'm not bringing up the Tyree thing is because the Tyree catch was – a moment that I, I still to this point don't b believe happened. <laughs> First of all, they didn't get us for holding. And if you watch the film, the Giants uh, linemen are like this, kind of holding the guy with the guy to, back to them, like kind of like, what do I do now? And they just go, like, oh. it, so it's like, oh, that was weird. And then just the way Eli came stumble bumbling out of the pack, like, bum, 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 bum. Oh. It wasn't like, he yeah. spread it out. He was like, yeah. bing, 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 bing. Helmet's coming off. Ba -dum, dum, dum. Yeah. Stopped and planted. And if we're all honest with ourselves, he just threw it. <sighs> just fucking threw it. I really, in my heart, as a Giants fan, I swear to God, I believe he just threw it. He said he saw a jersey, a white jersey. Bullshit. He just threw it. He just <laughs> threw it over the middle. Over the middle completely. He just fucking threw it. And you know what? David Tyree went up and out-muscled. He just out-muscled, period. That's that's just how he did it. That's how he did it. And that moment was so like – like I screamed maybe five times at the TV. Like it was like, ah, ah. Like, like what the fuck? Like, what the – what the – you know what I mean? Like fucking unbelievable. I'm sorry, guys. I hate that you have to relive that. But it's like I still can't believe it happened. I really – I can't believe that you guys let that happen. However, ah. Ah, you guys, let me even to the Seahawks. Look at the Seahawks. Oh, Give me yeah. a freaking break. That, he, he broke that. He broke that pass, right? He he was there before the wide receiver was there. It was just like that was a ridiculous play call. You'll never have a worse play call ever than that. What the pass. Seattle game? I disagree. Oh, why? How do you really? You don't think you've even met Marshawn Lynch? I. I don't, and I'll tell you why, right? And and I love when this topic comes up because they had one timeout left. It was 20 seconds, and it was second down. So if you run it there and you get stuffed, you have to throw on third down. So you take away the element of surprise. They tried to stay, st stick it in there in the second down. And I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate when people talk 
about it going it's a bad play call because it takes away from the defensive stand. The defensive stand started on the first, first, first um, play, which was Dante Hightower who basically lifted up the O-lineman and chucked him aside, and he basically stopped Marshawn Lynch with his shoulder and stopped him down. And I know he got to the basically one-and-a-half-foot line, but if you look at the year, that year, they ran with Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line seven times that year. Seven times he was stuffed. Um, the Patriots in a goal-line situation, they will stuff you. And then you got the ball, you got the clock running, and then you got to use your last time out. And now you take away the chance to win, and you're playing for the tie uh, in that situation. And I I don't disagree with it. It was a but that, great play by Malcolm Butler. That goes great against everything – that goes against everything that Brother Ray says about fantasy sports. You start your studs. You stay with the horse that got you there. Brother Ray, oh, am I right? Am I right? You give it a lynch. That's the guy. Yeah. The problem is they had done that play earlier in the year in the same situation. And you have to understand that Bill Belichick watches tape. These This team watches tape. So if you do something during the year that's unusual – and you try that in in the key right. the biggest moment of the Super Bowl, yeah. they're gonna know it's coming. And yeah. guess what? They knew it was coming. He jumped that route instantly. So that yeah. for me, that cool. it wasn't so much that they threw it, but they did the same thing that they did earlier in the year, and you brother, right. know that they were prepared for it. Yeah. Did, did you guys hear like the 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 Belichick like the headset stuff? Like him talk about it, it's amazing. Like that to me, that's like cemented his his sort of legacy because they had Patriots had a timeout and they were the sideline wanted to use it. So because you know, like the Seahawks going to score, we need as much time as possible. And Belichick, like Brother Ray just said, recognized the whole thing, knew exactly what play was coming, and he let it tick. He's like, no, we've seen it before. We know how to stop it. And like that to me blew away. So that's why when anyone talks about like they know football, like we're talking like we know football, we don't fucking know football like that. Like all the time, time out, we need clock, run Marshawn Lynch, you know, like, like, like Belichick's in there calm, watching it tick down, knowing he's seen the formation and what their tendency is there. And he doesn't want to call a timeout because then Seattle's going to call a different play. That was. Did you guys crazy. see the footage? Did you see the footage leading up to the Super Bowl when they were trying to put in Kyle Arrington, another uh, corner, and Malcolm? There was three or four corners. They were interchanging when they came up. They yeah. said they love to run this formation, and they even showed the arrow. Yeah. And Malcolm was the only one who was getting it and getting it and getting it. So right when they did it, Brandon says, I'm stuffing him. You jump. And he and he did. It was really, really good that Brandon Browner pushed the receiver into the pass yeah. padding of uh, – I don't even know who the hell was trying to get that ball. But, uh, yeah, he, he bumped him, kind of slowed his route. Uh, Malcolm had made a great play. Um, and if you look at that play – it almost doesn't get made because I think it's Dante Hightower jacks up and hits um, Malcolm, and that ball rattles. If you look at that play going yeah. to the ground, Malcolm Malcolm yeah. almost gets that ball ripped from him from his own Patriot. And, and, and that was another thing about that moment, like talking about great moments. Like I remember, like I remember very distinctly where I was watching that game. It was at a friend's house, and the Patriots were down ten in the third quarter. And like, my girlfriend at the time is like trying to console me. I'm like, get away, get away, don't worry about it. I, you know, and she's sitting down at the end of the game and she goes, what just happened? And I just looked all great. Like, there's a picture of me, like full smile. You wouldn't even believe it's me. And I just go, she said, what happened? I'm like the Patriots just won the Super Bowl. That's what happened. And I just, that was it. The rest of the night is a blur. It was just unbelievable. I have, I have my stories like that. I have, 
this is in my memory um, burns. So the Giants are killing the Vikings. And I'm, I just started dating my wife. So I was on my bestest, bestest behavior. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, she, I had to go to a wedding with her. So I'm going to a wedding with my girlfriend. So I'm at her, her house and I'm watching the Giants play the, the Vikings. And they're killing them, right? I'm, this is incredible. Then the Vikings start coming back. I mean, it's like, I'm like, they can't come back. This is like, we were up like four touchdowns. And she's like, come on, it's time to go. And we're losing. We're starting to lose. Like, it's, it's, I, I can't believe it. And she's like, come on, let's go. And I knew that I had to leave. So I knew that I had to leave and not watch the ending of the game. And it was like when, when you litter and the Indian guy shows up with the tear. I looked up at my wife and I had like a tear coming down my face and she goes, what's the matter? I'm like, the Giants are losing. <laughs> I'm like, the Giants are losing. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm mad, like indignant. Like, oh, I thought like it was something important, you know, or real, whatever it was. That was her comeback. Yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever. Let's go to the wedding, you know, let's go. <laughs> but that was the worst. They, I, that comeback and then the comeback with the 49ers with uh Keo flexing and scoring flexing, like god damn did we fall apart in that goddamn game. Those are moments that like you want to go there and punch one of the players in the face. You want to be like, dude, play a little bit better, will you please? Yeah. Show up a little bit more. You guys do that <laughs> mad yell the screen like at certain players, like, dude, could you could you pick it up a little? Yeah. Could you make the effort? Like you see a guy not make the tackle. You like you call it out. I think they share more than most. They share more than most. And, and, and I hate it because, uh, you know, I thought that Cam was pretty bad. And I know that Jared Sinem probably threw a lot of inaccurate balls and he might have threw some picks. But I felt like it was more like you, when you signed on to Cam, you couldn't, you can't bench him. And, yeah. I, and I think it, once they went sign on with Cam, it was a wrap. And that was pretty disappointing because – you know, I like I've seen the Patriots with a young Tom Brady win games. Like if Jared Sidham can just go in there and not make mistakes, see what you got. But yeah, it is what it is. I would have liked to see a young kid get in there. Uh, brother Ray, what were you and your Dolphins? Like, what are you screaming at? What are you screaming about? You know what I mean? I mean, for me, I I've had a couple of real heartbreakers. The probably the biggest one uh, was the San Diego Charger game. Uh, you know, double overtime. Kellen Winslow basically cracked me like an egg. I mean, he basically cracked me like an egg, uh, blocked, a, blocked a field goal, had 200 yards receiving. Um, I just can remember them carrying him off the field. And it just, you know, unbelievable game. The hook and ladder in the first, to end the first half with uh, Daryl Harris, you know, pitching it to Tony Nathan running down the sidelines. Um, but that game, yeah, that was a crushing one. Um, but I mean, really for me, my first memory was Larry Zonka in the Super Bowl. You know, my first memory watching football was the Dolphins beating the Vikings in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl seven, I'm mean, Super Bowl eight. So that's my first memory. And that's how it started out. That's why my dog's name is Zonka. And you know, that's why I'm a Dolphins fan. Brother Kellen Winslow, senior or junior? Oh, senior. Yeah, okay, good, because yeah, junior's junior. doing 12 to 18. For, yeah, junior's, uh, uh, junior's wearing orange. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he really what happened with junior? What did he uh, do? 
He's he had a thing about sneaking into uh, uh, older women's uh, houses and doing kind of dirty things. So yeah, look it up. Just look up Count Keller Winslow charges. Well, uh, not chargers, charges. <laughs> Making his dad proud. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that, you know what? That's a silly story. But um, speaking about uh, when these players lose their minds and do stuff like this. Uh, I noticed that you think it's like the, just the internet that we have so many players doing such ridiculous shit, or do you think it's, do you think it was always there? Like they were always yeah. doing stuff like this and it was just covered up better? Like you, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say? Or do you think that, that it's because it's just new? Like you know what I'm trying to say? Like wh- when do you think it started this whole uh, craziness? Can I, can I comment first? Good. I think it was 10 times worse before you never heard about it because the, the way the guys take care of themselves now, they're a little limited. Think about you. You ever look? You ever want to hear some read some funny stuff? Not a funny story. But you want to read some stuff about a crazy group of people? Read about the Dan Fouts Chargers and the way they those guys would party. There's a rumor that Dan Fouts actually got shot in the shoulder and it was covered up. And I don't know if it happened. I'll, know, I'll never know, obviously. But those guys didn't didn't weren't on vegan diets. They weren't planning to play till they were 43. It was a like different group of guys, and I'm sure the stories are. Like the ones you find are out of control. Now, uh, I don't think it's nearly as bad, but you hear about everything. Brother Ray? Yeah, I mean, back then, the press protected the players. Uh, The best story I ever heard was Babe Ruth. Um, You know, the reporters would follow the teams. The teams, they would travel by train, you know, from city to city. And the reporters would stay with, you know, they would stay there. They would gather. They'd talk. So one night they're having uh, coffee, and they're in the dining car. So they're sitting there, and Babe Ruth comes running through the dining car naked, running right through. He goes right past them. So they look, and back of him is a naked woman with a knife, runs right past them, chasing Babe through the car. As the they do. Said, the reporter said yeah. they looked at each other. They went back to drinking their coffee. That's, yeah. You know what? It's great. The The, the great ones always have the most bizarre stories. Like LT, how he used oh. to steal the bricks on his college dorm to get back to his room. And it wasn't like the bricks stuck out too much. He just would, by strength, would scale the brick wall with his hands and go back in his room. Like he was, I don't know if there's ever been a guy that's been built like him in that sense. Like he was unstoppable. I always felt like that about him. Like he was unstoppable. That coming full speed, how the frig you stop that guy? And then add cocaine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, was, and then add cocaine. Yeah, he, he was out of his mind. Yeah. Like you get like the post the, the post football stories with him are nuts. The stories while he was playing are nuts, and like he terrified everybody. Like offensive linemen were like, "If I kind of let you through, will you not kill me?" And you know, like, what are you gonna do? Are you try to block him? I mean, it's not worth it. They would call him Mister Taylor. That's crazy. So, hey guys, so with the season wrapping up, which team do you think you got wrong the most? Because, like, um, I know for a fact, like, I thought the Panthers would be better. Matt was always all over them every week, it seemed. And I also thought they would would be better than advertised. Like, I thought they were going to be better, and they weren't. So, think about it really quick. Give me a team that just, in your opinion, just didn't – didn't perform, and they should have. 
Uh, Matt, you want to go first? Oh, man, it's got to be San Fran, but it's got to be because they had so many injuries. I think that they're a tough division, too. You know, uh, San Francisco is just, you know, from coaching to players, they I mean, I think they're still going to be right there because, it, you know, that's just how football is. But when you got the, the coaching, I think the coaching is basically the, the root and the soil. So you got that. You can grow something good. Um. I think they just got beat up a lot. Um, but I would say San Fran more than anybody. All right. Ray? And I have a couple teams, but I'd probably say off the top of my head, the Raiders. I mean, you know, they had a they had a lot of draft picks. They they drafted defense. They they bur- you know, they bolstered the offensive line. Um, I mean, you know, Gruden, there's no more excuses. Like he's had the time to build his team. Mayock, I thought, did a great job in the draft. They started off great, and then the wheels on the on the train just just fell off, and um, that was surprising for me. I, I thought they had what it took to be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Mine would be the Eagles. I thought the Eagles were going to be really good this year. That's all I kept hearing. Like everywhere I was, everybody wanted to tell, wanted to tell me how good the Eagles were going to be this year, and the Eagles were just not good this year. They were garbage. They were they were the worst of the worst. They were really bad. So. By far, so the Eagles. Kev? Yeah, you took mine. I was going to say the Eagles, but to, to, to add a comment, I'll flip it. I think the Redskins did better than I expected. Like, I am not a Ron Rivera fan at all. Mm. Um, and like, I think he's good enough to get a team to be put up like a program in place and some discipline and some accountability and some basic schemes. And the Redskins probably need that. But in two or three years, they're going to hit their ceiling, and their ceiling is not going to be a Super Bowl appearance like he did in Carolina with Cam. Their ceiling is going to be much lower. So I was surprised they actually won the division. Um, so I'll go with them. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely one. The Eagles suck so, so bad. Two of us wanted to pick them. Yeah. Bad they suck. Um, <laughs> all right. So so moving into the Super Bowl, we got two games ahead of us. I, um, I don't want to talk about who's going to win, but – I'll ask you this. This will be the last thing that we ask each other because then we can wrap it up. And then do the basketball show. Dun, dun, dun. All right. What, what What's going to be the top story leading into the Super Bowl? What's the top team? What's the story going to be? Because I'll tell you what I think it's going to be. I already think it's been written. Mahomes against Brady, the like handing like the, the lightsaber over to Mahomes. Like, you know what I mean? Or there's Brady, you know, it's going to be goddamn it, Brady versus Mahomes. It's not going to be, uh, I would love it if it was, what's his face? Uh, Green Bay. Um, Josh Allen. No, I just, I, I'm just terrified that that's what's going to happen. I, I'm afraid that the whole thing is going to be about Brady. I think I'm having a breakdown because yeah. I really think everything's going to be about Brady. I really do. I think we're going to, right now, we don't know it yet. But we're not paying attention. It's like some conspiracy. We just, it's just T and B, the letters T and B. That's what we'll go by. We'll put it everywhere. What it is is he's going to be in the Super Bowl. No matter what we do, he's going there, I think. And I can't believe it. 
King, you might have to go in the coal mine with um, Astronomus. You got to take a step, take a step back off the conspiracy theories. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think the story that if, if they make it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch any of the media. If that's because you're right, if those two teams make it, it's going to be unbearable, absolutely unbearable. Are we passing the torch? Is it like you said, 43 versus 24, 25, whatever the hell he is? Oh, oh my God, it'll be awful, absolutely unbearable. So I hope Rogers makes it through. Um, and I think that'll be a better a better storyline. Probably make, make Rogers Bill Rogers versus Allen is a good storyline and much more much more boring. But I would I would I would much rather see it because, like you, I would I would tune it all out. Like I, I couldn't handle Ray, uh, Brady Mahomes for two weeks. That'd be so. Oh. That'd be so. What else could be the main story? How healthy is Mahomes? That's what I want to know. Are they lying? Is there anything lingering? Um, you're hearing things. You're hearing, you know, different things coming out of there. And I know he's probably doing it just to be vague and not tip anything off. But if if Chad Henney has to come in there and play a whole game, they they are in a lot of trouble. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, so, all right, uh, brother Ray, as we as we're starting to get close to the off season. Um, Fantasy football never stops. So my question to you is, you're going to start to get prepared for it, right? It's when you start to really look at the upcoming draft and whatnot and look at all of that stuff. Um, do you have your own – like, in other words, when do you start to really make the push to look into everybody? Are you somebody that starts early? Like, um, how, how do you break things down? I'm trying to figure out how you break down the upcoming class. You always seem to know you're always like a step ahead of me when it comes to like the college guys coming up. Even if I'm reading up on them, it always seems like you, you know a little bit more info than I do. So how do you exactly get your offseason going? Like, Give me a little bit of glimpse into the uh, counselor. Well, number one, I'm a geek. So, you know, that's, you know, that's an advantage right there or, a disadvantage, whichever way you want to take it. Uh, but really, there's kind of three phases to this. There's, you know, prep for the draft, where you're looking at the players, where you think they're going to land, and what they're, what they're doing coming out of college. Then once they're drafted, now you're looking at what's the opportunity for the player? Are they going to come and start right away? Are they going to be behind somebody? You know, so then that kind of puts them up and down your draft board. It may be the better player, but he's stuck behind two other players. Someone like an Alvin Kamara, who like I really liked. I knew he was going to be behind two players. Um, but again, you, you take the risk and you take him anyway because you believe in the player that much. So once you find out where they're going, you know what the situation is. You know what the offense is. You know what the match is and what the projection is on that team. Then, of course, you know, would, would, you know once you get into camp, you start looking at what's happening, who's in there with the first team, you know, who's getting the ball. It really comes down to reps because the players that are going to be playing in September, they get, they're the ones that are getting those reps. So it's the draft, free agency, you know, what, what are teams doing? What are their needs? Where do the, these, these draft prospects land? And then what is the fit? And, and, and how does that shape up for the regular season? That makes it, it – Makes sense. Same thing, like throwing it back at you, genius. When, you, when it comes to uh, betting, yeah, you just deal with in the moment, right? No, is that how you do it? Oh, hard. Right. Tell me. 
I don't know. Like you gotta, there's a lot of opportunity on the uh, when the when the team win totals come out. You gotta start looking right there because um, there's a lot of, uh, of, of of numbers that are just off, and you can get some value if you if you study like Brother Ray was talking about, and you watch player movement, and you watch drafts, then you see like uh, uh, you, you know the the Patriots. I think were at nine, and you, you look at them, and they're like they're they don't have a quarterback, probably not a nine win team. So you know you can go under there, you'll see. Uh, you know, these opportunities, but you have to really know the rosters because you're betting when there's a lot of uncertainty. So what Brother Ray is talking about, like, okay, this rookie gets drafted, there's two people in front of him, but is he talented enough to actually, you know, really impact the team? And you go there. That's some of the best opportunities of, of all is the team win totals before the season starts. So, uh, yeah, so you can't you can't stop. And the good thing is we all do fantasy football too. So I'm following the player movement anyway. And I, I started really early this year, which I think I'm happy, I'm happy about because I ended up with a couple of – you know, uh, good, good, like young tight ends. I got a good, I got a lot of those running backs that were uh, second or third tier guys that became starters, and I really had a good, a good, a good look this season. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it up. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read a little more about the draft and uh, college draft. I mean, and a little more about player profiles and and, and and kind of probably start in, you know, April, May, something like that. I'm feedback in there. Before I drive, I drive us out of here. I did. I did. I, I think the line for the Super Bowl is going to be Mr. Tom Brady and how he loves to eat buffalo. <laughs> hey, all right. We'll leave it on that, guys. Thanks for being here for Legit Fantasy Football. We'll speak to you guys on uh, Sunday. Uh, it's me, me, Mike Lepre, Legit Fantasy Sports. Please, if you see our videos on YouTube, like, hit the thumbs up. Please subscribe. Just leave a comment. Say, hey, what's up, Mike? Anything you can do will help. Thank you and good night. Good night.